Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. When I would do good, evil is always present with me. Oh, wretched man that I am. Free me from this body of death. Thanks be to God and Christ Jesus. I'm ready for the fight of my life. Start the record. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, this is a show... Tonight that I marked on the calendar The first weekend in December mm-hmm. First weekend in December And I tell you what, Brian We're going to have a good time A lot of people are going to learn a lot And a lot of people are going to be thankful, Brian For just having a life The life that they have And you know what? So many people want this and want that And they don't even realize It's the little things that count Sometimes we get so selfish and caught up in the things that we want. We want this. We want all this glitter and gold. But, Brian, that's not what it's about. It's about helping others, reaching back and helping others. Brian, I think you're going to love our guest. I think you're going to like him. Well, you know, Greg, I want to start off by telling everybody that this is the second week that we've been back on. What have you done differently? That's going to be our theme for for this year, doing something different. You know, we we talked about this briefly last week, said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, looking for a different result. And so what we want you to do is to try something new, try something different. But, Greg, absolutely. You know, I'm excited. Um, I know you personally got to meet our guest tonight, and and so this is sort of my introduction to him. But, you know, from what I've heard from you and from what I've read about him, you know, I'm already loving this brother here. So let's bring him on. Let's, let's you know, get ready to talk and, and converse and, and, you know, and do what we do on the show. Uh, right. I'm going to introduce him. He's Mr. Shaquille Ali. He's a revolutionary educator, a social entrepreneur, a conscious entertainer, and a gun violence survivor. And he's also um, familiar with the diverse needs and services available for our youth. And so we're going to talk with this brother and find out about this thing called Ask Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Mr. Shaquille Ali. Uh, Good evening. Welcome, sir. Ali, what's going on? All right, how you doing, Greg? Doing fine, man. Brian and I, we 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 we've been talking about you ever since I came back from D.C. When we went up there and presented, uh, and, and Keith also asked about you. And I tell you what, man, we we are having a 
we're just excited over here about tonight's show because, you know, you're out in California, and a lot of people really don't know your story. Uh, if, if you were really quick, tell us how you got to where you are right now. All right. <laughs> how I got to where I am, that's a, that's a loaded question, you know. <laughs> But first of all, thanks for having me on, and uh, nice to meet you over the phone as well, Brian. And uh, I'm really excited to to be on the show. Good, awesome. All right, yeah. So as far as where I got to, where I am. Do you mean as an educator, as an entrepreneur? I mean, uh, what exactly? From the are, street, are from, from huh? the streets to where you are, from the streets right. to where you are right now. All right, I got you. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, definitely. I grew up in, uh, you know, low-income housing or the projects in uh, the fringe or the, the the edge of San Francisco and Davie City out here in California. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood called Bayshore, and uh, basically I excelled in academics while I was in school, even though I lived in a high-crime neighborhood and, uh, you know, people were selling crack and, you know, a lot of violence all around me. I was able to stay focused on school. Uh, and, but anyhow, about 10 years ago, uh, I was organizing with some of my uh, comrades out here in the streets, and uh, we were actually going to an event to support the uh, children of war victims in, in East Africa. And at this event, you know, I don't know who it was, but someone there chose to try to take our life. And... Uh, Fired a gun, uh, fired into a car I was traveling in five times, and I was hit by a bullet. And uh, at the, the time, they said I wasn't going to live, you know, but by the grace of the Creator, I survived and was able to continue the work that I do. But what happened is that uh, when I was in the hospital, I was actually on my deathbed, you know, I realized that the, the passion that I have for education and for helping people that it really wasn't getting put to use correctly and that maybe that had something to do with why I was in the hospital at that time. So I decided that day that if I got out of the hospital that I'll commit, you know, the rest of my life to not hiding, you know, the gift that I was given by the Creator to help people and to actually do that full time. And that if I committed my life to it, I didn't know how I was going to get paid from it but that eventually uh, the money and the resources will come. Wow. You know, brother, the, the thing that, that rings so true with your story and the story of many others that we've talked about is that you went through a struggle and you came out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, you know, that, that's what people need to know, that they can come out of a struggle. You know, so many people go through these things and they talk about how I'm going through, I'm going through, I'm going through, but they're really not going through. They're sort of still stuck in that situation. Yes. You know? And so it's a beautiful thing when we can talk to a brother who's, you know, went through the fire and instead of burning up, you know, you came out pure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I tell people all the time that, you know, a lot of times we're, we're blinded and we're blurred. Our vision gets blurred, <clears throat> uh, pardon me, by, by pain, by the bad experiences that we've been through, 
and things that people have done or things that have happened in our lives, but that if, if we understand that we have to actually go to the pain and, and don't avoid that pain and feel that fire, like you said, and, and let the uh, fire burn us and burn in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies, then we can put that energy to good use and help people. Absolutely. So now, brother, tell us about um, what you immediately started doing after that traumatic event. All right. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I was already actually in the community organizing and educating as a teacher, as a counselor, as a community activist. But what I realized was that the skills that we had in organizing in the streets and helping people in the community, that the talents that we had wasn't enough, that we needed more. We needed to refine our skills better and to better market and promote the work that we were doing out here in the streets without any government funding. And so what I decided to do was to go back to school and to get more, uh, quote-unquote, credibility and just to learn more how to organize uh, the way that people in the nonprofit world organize to get resources to help attack, uh, you know, community issues. So that's what I did. I, I immediately I went back to school, and I was able to finish. And when I got out of school, instead of going uh, to find a job, I realized that my job was to uh, to help people and to encourage young people to go into entrepreneurism and to uh, complete their educational goals. So I took that on as my job, and I decided to learn how to better uh, market and promote the work that we were doing. So I helped uh, start an organization called Ask Academy with a couple of youth from San Francisco. We started, uh, we put the uh, principles together for it, the goals and the outcomes at City College of San Francisco, and we've been working on it ever since. Wow. So you started it with a group of youth. Yes. <laughs> yes, actually, it's a long story, but the short story of it is that, you know, there were a couple of youth I was already working with. Uh, one youth in particular, Anthony Lopez, and then uh, my business partner and I, Amro Rawan, we were mentoring them, and uh, it was Ask Academy was uh, formed basically on the idea that young people needed alternatives to the negativity and the violence that was all around them and that the areas that they were most interested in were education, economics, and entertainment. So we stuck with those three things, and we've been working on it since uh, 2004. Nice. Brian, I can tell you that he's passionate about the things that he's doing. You know, you, you were going, you were minding your own business, going out trying to help. Oh, well, you weren't trying; you were actually doing. You were working in the field to help others. Right. And you know, and I think a lot of people get caught up in this, like what you were doing. And, and what I mean by caught up is, you were going to an event to help others, mm-hmm. and you were shot. Minding your own business going to do something that's needed. Now, a lot of other people out there are trying to do the same thing, but they may not get shot. Right. They may be, you know, they may run into some closed doors where people will say, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do that, and they get frustrated and they stop. 
you almost lost your life. Uh-huh. You heard the doctor say he's not going to make it. Uh-huh. And when you came through this, you still had the heart. You still had people in your heart, these young people, to reach out to them. Uh-huh. What was the thing that that gave you that energy, that strength, to pull you through this to get back out and do what you're doing? Definitely. Well, first of all, <clears throat> I know all the prayers that people made when I was in the hospital. I had a lot of supporters that came, family members, friends. But the one thing that they all said is that they prayed. And, you know, I know that that power in itself, I have to give, you know, respect to that. <laughs> and then after that, I would say just the support of my family and just staying determined that, you know, I had work to do out here in the world and that I wasn't going to let anything or anybody stop it. I can't even stop it myself, <laughs> you know. This is what I was uh, – I, I feel like this is my purpose in life and that I can help other people to find their purpose and also to find a way to get paid to, to do what they love to do, what they like to do, and what they're good at. That's what drives me every day. Mm. You know, in, in, in this country – a lot of people come down hard on our youth. Brian yeah. and I, we've gone everywhere. We go to detention centers, jails. We go any and everywhere where we can get in there and talk about any little thing that will give our youth some type of edge, uh, something mm-hmm. to bring them back so they can focus on what's important. Mm. How do you feel when you're dealing with the youth and you see so much greatness in them but society is pretty much throwing them under the rug. I mean, how do you deal with that? Because I know the work that you do when you see how these kids are trying and you learn, um, you know, you, you see the strengths that they have, but right. everybody else is just fighting against what you're trying to do. How do you deal with that? Well, I stay focused. The first thing I always think about is that none of this is personal. You know, I'm not doing it for any accolades and any awards or rewards. I just do it because... You know, I don't know what else I should be doing out here. But the second thing is that just knowing that when I come into a room and I see young people, I always have amnesty. That's the first thing I think about. I don't care, and I don't even want to know what they've done before I got there. All I want to know is when they're ready and if they're ready to make a change. And what it is that they like to do, what are they good at? (laughs) You know, that's all I want to know. And then I focus on that and get them focused on that as well and let them know that everything else that they're doing that's not focused on that goal is a distraction and that they need to be aware of that and fight against it. Okay. Okay. That's good stuff. You know, how important to you personally is the success of let's say an individual in in uh ask academy mhm how how important is it to me that they become successful? Yes, yeah, definitely. That's my only goal is that that I can help a young person identify what you know their interests are and how they can apply that in a practical way, not just to help themselves you know that that's always the first goal is that you have to you know, put put food on the table and, and be able to take care of a family so we, we never lose that focus. But at the same time, 
if I can help a young person, you know, develop and first even know, a lot of them haven't been asked that question really in school. They're always just told what to do. No one ever talks with them. They just talk at them or talk to them. So I, I take time first to observe them and start asking a lot of questions and see what they're gravitating towards and, you know, let them know that they can keep develop, developing that but at the same time, helping them to find a mentor, someone who's already in that field, who can help them also see that there's actual practical steps that you have to take to reach success. It's not going to be an accident. You know, it's not just blind luck. That is preparation. is being in the right place at the right time, networking. You know, it's systematic the way that you reach success. And I help them to learn how to develop systems and routines that will help them they focus on their goal. So, I mean, it's, it's very important to me that they reach success. That's what our whole focus and our whole purpose is, is to help young people reach success so they can actually see it, visualize it first, put it out there, and then start gathering the help and the resources and the people that they need to help them to keep, you know, to stay on that journey. Hmm. It's a beautiful thing when you work with youth and you see that light come on. Yeah. And the, I think the hardest part sometimes is not dealing with the youth, it's dealing with the parents. Because you <laughs> have to gain their trust. You have to gain their trust. Right. Then, then you have so many of the, of the boys that are dealing and fighting people off, you know, trying not to be a part of gangs. Mm-hmm. And we know how big gangs are in California. It's mm-hmm. a it's a big thing. And you're trying to teach them that, listen, you need to go the straight way. But mm-hmm. when they go home, there's nothing in the refrigerator. Right. And we're trying to sell them this dream so that they can believe and they can do, but they have uh, these drug dealers on the corner that are gang members saying, listen, you can make eight, $1,500 a day if you do this. And, you know, they're thinking that, hey, I can do this and help mom, dad, or whoever is raising them, and they help their sisters. And I mean, they're suffering. A lot of them are suffering. Right. And it's a great thing when you get in there and you can teach them to listen. You know, you're better than that. Things will change for you. Stay yeah. away from the drugs and all of this stuff. And a lot of times these kids, they don't do bad things just to do them. I think a lot of times they do the things that they do because they have to survive. It's just, it's sad, but they do things to survive, and nobody's looking at it that way. Right. Um, what do you What do you have in place as far as goal setting for your youth? All right, definitely. Well, the first thing that I like to do, especially with young people that are coming out of detention, whether it's school detention, suspension, uh, in-school suspension, actual juvenile detention, incarceration, youth that are coming out of foster care homes, coming out of broken homes, you know, neighborhoods where they have to look over their back every day when they leave the house and, you know, afraid to leave the house. What I talk to them about is the difference between surviving and living. They already have a lot that they can teach us, and they do, about survival. But they have a lot of them don't know the difference that living and being happy and being having that real joy in your heart every day when you leave the house is different than just surviving. So first I start there. 
And if we could get past that and to ha- and to let them see that there is something that they can live for, you know, not to have fatalistic thinking, then the second step is to, uh, you know, help them to find their purpose in life and help them to work towards that. And, you know, that that's what I believe can help a lot of young people, those two steps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, when I you, agree. I, I, yeah and, I'm sorry, Brian. I, and you have so many of these kids that when you're trying to connect with them, I I, I don't, and, and Brian can tell you this, I don't think that they realize what they're getting into when they go in to help. And, and my heart goes out to everyone that, you know, that says, you know, I want to go in, I want to make a difference. But you right. have to know what to expect when you go in there. You just can't go in and just talk to a kid and say, this is what I want you to do. No, you have, there's a lot that you have mm-hmm. to go through before you can, you know, get this kid to trust you. You have to figure, you have to know his background. You have to know some of the things right. that he went through. You have, to, you know, and and after right. spending time with him, that stuff will pop up. You'll see it. Yeah. And then you're able well, to reach him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you said too. I mean, just I'm glad you said the word trust because that's the first step anyway. Before we can quote unquote mm-hmm. teach them anything or any, you know, they don't have a reason. When I go into a group home, the first thing I think about when I step in the door is they don't have any reason to trust me. So that's that's right. the first thing that I think. But over time, they'll realize why they should trust me, and, and, and they'll know before I even have to tell them it's because I'm sincere. I'm not there with any ulterior motive. I'm not there for a feel-good experience because I know what happens to young, you know, girls in and out of group homes. I grew up, you know, with a group home right up the street from my house, <laughs> you know, so I knew about all of this. I know about drug dealing. I know about people in my family doing drugs. I know about people pressuring me to sell drugs. So no one can, you know, use those excuses. My thing is that those things are all there, but your goal is there too. What are you trying to work towards? What drives you every day? What's going to make you feel that you're accomplishing something in the world every day? And a lot of young people aren't finding that in school necessarily. Some of them are. But those are some of the things that I learned from my elders, which was that, hey, school is something that is there. We have to do it. But that doesn't mean that the learning stops when school is over. (laughs) So I teach them and remind them that you have to learn from everybody, everything, all the time, and to keep watching movies, listen to music, but just make sure that they're not just entertaining themselves with all these gadgets and things, but that they're also balancing that with something educational. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're right on the money with that. I I, I was brought to the uh my it brought back memories of when uh KRS one used to call his uh group edutainment. Yes. You know, and that's yes. something I tell kids, I said, you know, if you sit around filling your mind with, with foolishness and senseless stuff, you know, what you know? How is that going to benefit you? What are you doing today that's going to benefit you tomorrow? You know, and most of those kids will say, "Man, I'm just having fun," and I was like, "Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with having fun, but you know, there's there's a time when you're going to need that information. You're going to need that knowledge. You're going to have to arm yourself with the necessary tools, and you can still have fun doing that. But if you sit around and you think that you know World of Warcraft and you know, PlayStation 3 
is going to feed you, <laughs> you know, you better get real good at playing those games. You know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, yes. you know, the thing you talked about, trust, you know, my, my grandmother used to always say, you know, that kids can always smell a rat. Mm. You know, and he said, if you ever want to know if you can trust somebody, take a small kid around them and yeah. just let them sit there for a while. And if that kid warms up to them, you might you might be able to trust them. But if that kid <laughs> wants nothing to do with them, you don't need to do anything with them either. <laughs> you know? That's true. Yeah, and I, and I think, so you know, Greg, Greg made an excellent point. It is so important that the kids feel or have a level of trust with you when you're trying to help them. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't trust you, you're not going to – you could sit there and put money in their hand. If they don't trust you, you're not going to get across to them. That's true. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think over the years, one of the things that I learned working with certain types of youth is that the trust was built up over time because they saw that not just myself but other volunteers that I have and colleagues, that we are consistent and that we really care. Those two things. I mean, it sounds real simple. But sometimes we have to get simple with people who always say they want to help people and <laughs> whatnot. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. Do you really care? Before you start helping people, you have to figure that out, you know. And are you going to be consistent because they're so used to to people feeding them with broken promises or even having good intent to take care of them and provide the things that they need, but it just never happens. And I've experienced that as well as a young person as well as experiencing a lot of love and people around me that did care and just at the right time stepped in and helped out with certain things. That that was a different time, though, when the community was more together and our families lived closer together and people, uh, we had a lot of eyes watching us. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? <laughs> so that when they know that we really care and they see that we're showing up and we're doing the things that we said we would do, they test us in little ways. And then they see that we test them as well because it has to go both ways. Then once we know that a young people, I mean a young person, trusts us, then they understand that we're going to be with them long term and help them as long as they're helping themselves. You know, I have a question. I'm uh, sorry, Greg. Um, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You know, why is it? You know, because you brought up, you talked about how it, back in the day, you know, it was a lot different. Why is it now that, you know, you can't say anything to someone's child without them accusing you of, you know, being mean or rude or something? You know, and, and Greg, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, that that's, some, that's something that really, really, that's one of my pet peeves, that parents will immediately defend their children when another adult points out something they're doing wrong. Uh-huh. I well, still don't get that. <laughs> I've had that happen to me because I'm the type of person where if I see you doing wrong, I don't care whose child you are, I'm going to say something. <laughs> you know, and I've had parents say, don't talk to my child like that. You don't know me. You don't know him. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, uh, your kid's throwing rocks at cars. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, just, that's just an example, but you know what I mean? You know, and, and, you know, I've even told a parent, well, you know, I'm trying to do this for his safety. Mm. And, you know, and, and I've gotten backlash from, from the, actually from that particular parent. What do you mean his safety? So I'm thinking, huh? You know, I mean, when when did we lose that? You know, because I, if I, when I, I can remember when I was young, that was something where anybody in the neighborhood could tighten you up, call your parents, and on the way home, if 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 your uncle was closer, they take you to your uncle. He tighten you up. They take you to an aunt. She tighten you up. An older cousin could tighten you up. And when you got home, it was gonna get tightened up again. Uh. You know, and it was a village concept where they took care of the village. And it's like now you can't even tell a kid, "Hey, son, uh, pull your pants up." You know, because a parent would be like, "Why are you looking at my son like that?" You know, it's like I don't get it. You know. And, and Greg, of course, says that's Brian's rant for the week. <laughs> <clears throat> but 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 you but you're you're on to it. And Shaquille, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with a with a, with a parent that uh, no matter what their kid is doing, uh, it's right. And, and mainly, it comes down to and, and I don't want to offend anybody, but a lot of times it's the the mothers um, defending the boys. We see that happening all the time, and then you you know later in life you see grown boys still living with mom. I mean, how do you how do you deal with a parent that's like that? Do you get them involved in your program, or or, or how does that work? Well, that's you know that's that's a good one. Uh, I definitely know as far as parenting, what helps us to just like with youth, it helps to get them in a group environment around other parents yeah. because yeah. if you single them out. And they feel like you're saying they're a bad parent, they already just start shutting off. So, you know, we do parent trainings and discussions. What I like to do is I get people in the room, and there's a lot that I want to say and that I could say, but I go in as a facilitator, and I try to get another parent to say the things that I would, <laughs> you know, that I would say to an individual parent. When they can hear other parents say, well, that's not how I deal with my child. I know what I, you know, I know the rules and the boundaries that I set, and then we turn it into a discussion, and I, and I let people see both sides of it. That works better than just saying, "Look, this is what you need to do with your child," because they're not listening. You know, no one ever told them that before, and they're going to start battling. You know, so that's one thing is getting parent groups together, parent trainings, and whatnot. But the other thing is just to know that some of that is because of the way that some of our youth are treated in the schools, and, and the parents start getting it twisted, and they don't understand who's really there to help their, you know, their child or not. And, you know, because a lot of times the schools, the uh, other institutions, not just schools, but let's just say all modern institutions, a lot of times are set up to actually degrade and discourage the young people that they're supposed to be helping. And then, you know, when we come with our sincerity, sometimes we have to then gain the trust of the adults too, <laughs> So that uh-huh. they know that we're going to be there long term as well, because maybe they look at us like that absent father that's not there, and they get you know we get misplaced aggression maybe. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I look at it that way, and 
you know, I kind of always stepped back from people too because I, I used to help people so much that it drained me and I wasn't healthy anymore. And I had to learn how to step back and let other people, you know, meet me halfway. And I'll be there when, when they're ready to put the work in for themselves. I'll be there right with them. And when they slow down, I'll slow down too. But, you know, it it's something you said, you know, about the parents having to buy into the trust. You know, a lot of times the parents are more skeptical than the child, and it's the child you're trying to help. You know, yep. and, and, and you even have uh, instances where the parent may not want that child to get the help, and it's because they may be, you know, they may have a feeling that if that child gets out, they're going to leave me here. Mm. You know, and believe it or not, I've had parents say that, you know, no, don't go to this. Don't don't go and get a good education. You need to help me. You need to get a job. You know, you don't need to go to college. And I remember a parent telling a child that you don't need to go to college. You need to get a job so you can help me. Sure. And you know, and I and I had to tell the parent. I said, you know, respectfully, that's not his job. Sure. You know, that's not his job to help you. He can choose to help you. But don't force his hand because, you know, especially when you're dealing with a young boy who, you know, who loves their mother, who's not going to let anybody do anything wrong to their mother, you know. And I, you know, I had to, and I had to tell the mother, look, you know, your son's getting ready to graduate and he feels bad about leaving to go to school because he feels like he's going to leave you mm. all by yourself. You have to, you have to let him go. You can't tell him, no, don't go to school and stay here and help help me, you know, because your job was to help him become a man, yeah. you know, not to help him become uh, uh, another piece of income for you. Uh, I say, now, what he chooses to do with his life, you know, that's a choice that you can't make him uh it's a choice he has to make. Don't make that choice for him. And, you know, and and I see that, and, I, and I'm not picking on single mothers, but I see that a lot with single mothers where, you know, they don't want those boys to leave because they're thinking somebody's going to do something to them or something's going to happen to them, and i got to keep my boy close to me. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, let me ask a question. Do you see that happening? And, you know, do you see those occurrences where those mothers are so, you know, they hold on to those boys so tight that the boys feel obligated? Yeah, definitely. I think it also ties into the Willie Lynch syndrome and the whole idea of keeping the uh, the woman separate from the man and then keeping her in a, a state of fear. And so then she'll in turn teach her son to be, you know, in fear. And it's, it's shown in certain movies, even in Roots, we have mm-hmm. to actually uh, go back and show our people old movies and, you know, many series like Roots where they show people because they, they're not necessarily going to read it. But we also can give them the paper about what we mentioned, how they try to separate the man and the woman and the old and the young and the light-skinned from the dark-skinned slay mm-hmm. to keep us separate, you know. So that, I think it just ties into that same old-school plantation mentality. So in order to get past all of that, you know, we really have to work with the whole family, you know. So 
the the work that we do, we know out here we can't work with a single youth and think that that's all we have to do. We have to know what's going on with their family, with their friends, you know, with their neighborhood, everything, and look at it holistically and take it one day, one step at a time. You know, Greg, you're you're right, Greg. I like this guy. He's talking my language. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's passionate about what he's doing. When when you're dealing with youth, I think the biggest problem are you know, that, that the kids are having mm-hmm. is they don't want to follow rules. <laughs> yeah. And I I think that they think that they know everything. Some they may not say that they think they know everything, but they have an answer <laughs> for everything. And I'm not picking on them. Yeah. But you know, no matter where you go, you're going to have rules. I don't care how old you get, you there are rules for everything. True. And uh, I, I think, you know, you, you have a, uh, in your school, you have all this stuff that you have, and I know that you have decision-making in there, a part of that that's tied into that. Um, mm-hmm. How do you go about changing the way that they're looking at things so that they can be uh, disciplined enough to follow the rules and see both sides of whatever it is that they're working on and, and understanding that the rules are there to help them, not to right. hurt Yeah, definitely. Sometimes, you know, we have to compare it to the simple things that they do and that they understand, like playing basketball and whatnot, and just asking them to, you know, just think about, if in the NBA there were no referees or, you know, just things like that, <laughs> why we have to keep it simple sometimes. But at the same time, I understand why a lot of young people want to break the rules because a lot of the youth that we're dealing with are potential leaders. And a lot of times yeah. leaders and people who have a certain vision break rules. So what I get them to at least understand is that we have to have agreements and that we, we don't just live in a world in a vacuum and we can't just have everything that we want it our way. So when you're dealing with groups of people, there has to be certain agreements that the group comes to together in order, you know, and then we just talk about that, you know, how things will go. And starting even from the groups that I have with them, getting a group of young people together and setting up the ground rules or telling them, well, we're not going to call them ground rules, but let's call them group agreements and just going to it straight from there from the first time I even, you know, meet with uh, certain potential leaders. <laughs> um, so I think I kind of start from there and just showing over time that you get more done. You can show them, all right, today we're not going to have the ground rules and just people, we can uh, do a different style of workshop today and see how that goes. And that usually doesn't work. They understand better. There's little baby so stuff like them, that. Yeah, you're giving mm-hmm. them a voice. Yeah, that's that's the main, I think, message that I would want to give to people is that I'm not actually teaching anything. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what certain elders that I had did with me. They taught me how to teach myself, but they were just there for, for uh, support, for extra information, for clarification, as, as long as I needed them. But I always was taught by those elders that they weren't going to be there all the time, and that I was going to have to use my own brain at some point, <laughs> you know. So I still kind of right. use those old tech, uh, old school techniques with the youth and let them know, hey, I'll, 
I'm busy. I'm not busy. I'm productive. I have a lot of things that I'm doing, different businesses I'm doing, family responsibilities, so I can't always be available for you physically, but I'm always here. But there's all the work that needs to be done, you're going to have to do it. No one's going to do it for you, you know. So that's the kind of uh, attitude and behavior that I have towards the youth, but they know it's all in love. Mm-hmm. And what about the health issues? Do you tackle anything? Because a lot of kids, some of them gain weight or dealing with that. You're dealing with kids, just all different races that that we all have issues that we're dealing with. You know, kids can be cruel and mean. They can be. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you What do you have set aside just for dealing with um, health issues? Well, two things. We have workshops and training. So that's the basic thing that I do is trainings, whether they're live trainings, or we also have computer based trainings that go into all the topics that youth are dealing with and even youth development workers, teachers, administrators. So that that software is called Ripple Effects. So, you know, people can find out more about that. But as far as live training, we can tailor trainings to any topic that a person has. So health is always important. So we, we, we attack that issue through health trainings and workshops, but also the actual activities getting out and playing sports, exercising every day. And then myself, personally, a lot of people know that, you know, some people used to call me a health nut. And that's how I'm able to even keep doing the work that I'm doing and also would help me survive, you know, being shot and a bullet going into my liver and exploding in my body and having holes in my back. And, you know, I wasn't able to walk for a while. But the way that I eat and you know, I exercise every day and the books that I read and the people that I I listen to, those things help me to stay healthy and then I'm able to go out and do work on a you know regular basis. So I also tell them my personal story and encourage people to stay healthy. And I saw it too, Greg, I I will say you were looking fit out there. <laughs> so I see you're you're serious about your nutrition as well. Greg, you still there? Uh, are we hearing lost, Greg? I think we did. Let's see. Uh-oh. <laughs> Greg, you still there? Uh, we might be having a little technical difficulties with Greg, but, yeah, you know, absolutely. Greg is, Greg is not quite the health nut, but, he, you know, he stays in the gym. He's in there, uh-huh. and, you know, and... You know, and he'll and he'll always tell me, he says, "Man, I just came from the gym." I was like, "Don't say that," <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, because I need to be in the gym. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably why he asked that question. He, he, you know, that's that's the interest of his, and we, we do need mm-hmm. to keep that in the mind of the youth as well. That's what'll help them to concentrate more on their work and to be able to participate in other activities. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Greg, are you back in yet? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Go ahead. All right. All right. Good, good. Yeah. Well, you know, what do you have What do you have coming up? Um, I know you said you do the workshops and seminars. Do you have anything scheduled uh, around the corner that we may need to know about? Well, we just had um, – I was in Spring, Texas, which is right, right out of Houston, Texas. I did a Ripple Effects implementation training for a middle school out there called Do It Middle School. 
So they'll be utilizing the software there to help young people raise their grades and reduce truancy and help change their behavior. A lot of the issues and things you're talking to me about, you know, they'll be helped by being able to interact with the software. But also, you just did a bullying prevention assembly in Redwood City out here in California. And then we have trainings coming up at the Daily City Adult School and GED Center all based around helping young people find their own personal success. So a new program that we're launching called Success is Personal with a man named Joe Padua, and it's all based on helping young people find their preferences and find the right major, get into college, you know, get out of high school, get into college, get the right major, and then find the right career or a small business that will be aligned with the trends that are heading into, you know, the new economy. Hmm. You guys are really, really busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but a lot of I want to talk a little bit about that that new economy thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why is because I keep hearing that word, and it's it's sort of become a buzzword lately. You mm-hmm. know, the new economy, the global economy, you know, it's no more of the mom-and-pop stores. You know, what kind of effect do you think that has on um, on our youth socially? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it actually has a good effect because, first of all, California and the Bay Area in particular, a lot of times sets trends for economy and you know, new industries, especially dealing with the environment. California has a good track record of being in the forefront. So a lot of times our youth get involved in careers, you know, in the, in the early stages, and they have a lot of opportunities. But also I think it's great that we have the Internet and other ways for young people to learn and interact with people from other countries. I know that there's other people in, re- in remote parts of the world that care about what we're doing over here and that are influenced by youth in America and hip-hop culture and whatnot. So they find out about other opportunities that they have in other countries. For instance, I know a young person who's 22 and and he just graduated from college and whatnot, but through some of his networking, he's getting involved in in a business that's coming out of China that's dealing with uh, the environment here. In America, <laughs> this is a, you know a young person, so I think it has a good effect if there's enough of us out here to understand and who can get them involved in in it, get them interested in it, get them involved in it, and to keep uh, helping them along the way. You know, I, I totally agree, and and part of the reason why I ask that question is because you know when you see so many people. Um, that are sort of where they say that you know a lot of people are out of work, you know, it it really becomes discouraging for some of our youth because they feel like, well, you know, my parents don't have a job, they have degrees, and you know, this you know, and no nobody's making any money because that's what everybody hears, but right. you know, that's that's basically out on the surface. It looks as though people are struggling because they're looking within their circle. <laughs> Yeah, you know, definitely. but once they're able to go and see somebody else and say, wait a minute, you know, you live in, you know, such and such wherever, and you don't look like you're struggling, you know, or 
here's a way to, you know, create an income. Uh-huh. You know, it was funny. You know how you watch uh, the people and they talk about eBay and how you can make money off eBay? Yeah. Well, for the first time, I actually met someone <laughs> who worked as an eBay reseller. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, what do you do? Well, I have an eBay store. And I was like, and you make money doing that? And they're like, yeah, I just quit my job, and I and I make money doing that. And I'm thinking, you can't make that much money. It's like, yeah, I do, and I actually don't do anything. But I set up stores, and I just market the stores. And I'm like, no, really? Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, this wasn't like a retired person. This was like a 23-year-old girl. Uh-huh. You know, and she decided that she wasn't going to work anymore. She's going to do that full time. And I'm thinking, how are you going to survive off that? And, they said, <laughs> and she said, well, guess what? Every time somebody goes to that store and they buy something, I get a check in the mail. And I'm like, wow. Uh-huh. You know, and, and to me, that's not difficult. And our youth are so technology, you know, technologically savvy now. I mean, and they have every tool available, iPod, iPhone, you know, MP3 players that get on the Internet and all that kind of stuff, you know, and they know how to do everything and anything. They have all kinds of different, you know, most people know about Facebook and MySpace and Twitter because those are the big three, you know, but now I can go to any youth and they'll say, oh, you know, have you been on OVO? I'm like, what's that? You know, or have you been on, um, there's a, a whole bunch of them. You know, that these kids go in Orion and everything else. And, you know, these kids all know about all the, you know, little social networking tools, and they use them just to talk to their friends. Uh Imagine if they could figure out, like, and do how you're doing, where somebody could show them, hey, you know, you can actually use that to market your business. Uh You know? And so, yeah, and so that's partly why I asked the question. The other reason why is because... You know, back in the day when we had those mom-and-pop stores, things were a whole lot more personal, uh-huh. you know, and, and friendly. And, you know, do you believe that, you know, that this new global economy will be the death of the mom-and-pop stores? Hmm. That's, a, that's a good point. I think that everything, you know, we always have to look at the balance of it and, Whenever things get out of balance, there's something that always comes out to counteract it. So I don't think it will ever totally do away with it. I think just having technology speeds up things and makes things easier to do. So I think actually it will help. Like more people can set up small businesses. The majority of businesses in America are small businesses anyhow. And by having technology, small businesses can look bigger. <laughs> and reach farther with their marketing, with their promotions, and with just being able to send things other places. So, and I think it'll always balance out. You just have to be aware and just know that when technology is out there, there's different ways it can be utilized. And, and for me, I, I like to remind people that hey, it's good to be entertained, but like I said before, use it for something educational. And then once they get that concept, then I start talking to them about business. You know. Get some type of business going, and then use Facebook and Twitter and <clears throat> those other things. But I, I kind of I, I talk to them about if you don't have a business going, you really don't need those things. It's gonna just w- waste your time. Yeah. 
That's true. That is true. I think, you know, back in the day, a lot of people had their own business a long, long, long time ago, and it mm-hmm. went away from that. Uh, I, I think it's a wonderful idea and a wonderful thing that you're doing by teaching our youth today to be their own entrepreneurs, to own their own, to go to school and learn and use that for yourself instead of working for other people and making them rich or richer. You know, and, and they're not happy. A lot of people are not happy when they go to jobs like that. But the thing is, like you said, uh, Shaquille, what are you going to do with your time? You have, you may work a, a eight-to-five job, but in between uh, when getting off of work, there's something else that you could do to better yourself or to better your business or to, to, to study to do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, do you have any, like, job shadowing or mentoring that you offer something uh, along those lines? Yeah, yeah. So we, we offer mentoring in two different ways. We take youth to businesses so they can get a tour of an actual office place and meet some of the people that run the businesses, learn a little bit about their personal stories and their principles and mentors that they've had their average day, things like that. Then we also eventually match youth up with the individual one-to-one mentor in the field that they're interested in so they can have paid and unpaid unpaid internships and just have a person who can demystify the the field and the career for them and show them the easy steps, not the easy steps, but the practical steps (laughs) that they need to take. And then my personal example, a lot of people know that I'm an entrepreneur and I just let them know the steps that I took and the struggles that I've had, and that but that I stayed focused on my goal, which was to work full time at what I do the best and what I like to do, and like you said, not make someone else rich. There's been a lot of sacrifices, and but I can give t- people tips uh, along the way to help them if they want to become uh, entrepreneurs as well. Awesome. I, I, again, we we really like what you're doing, uh, Brian. How much time do we have left in the show? Uh, we just we have just over six minutes. Okay. Shaquille, okay. if you could give out your information because about your school, because I'm sure a lot of people in the area, are, you know, they'll be interested in calling you. And also, yeah. are you available for to travel uh, for mm-hmm. workshop seminars and speaking engagements and that type of thing? Oh, well, definitely. So the best way to reach me is at askacademy.org, A-S-K, Academy, which stands for Alternative School of Knowledge. So askacademy.org. The phone number is 877-573-9062. And people can book me or any of our other speakers we do interactive trainings and workshops, though. It's not going to be a lecture. People are going to have to give input and become problem solvers if they're in the room with me. <laughs> you know, we're all going to participate and use our brain cells together and tackle these problems. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I can be uh, reached by phone. Also, email is askacademy.org at gmail, and they can email me personally at Shaquille and the number seven at Gmail, Shaquille S H A K E E L A L I seven 
at gmail.com. What about donations? Are you accepting donations? For your yeah, they can go right on to the uh, Ask Academy site and make donations right there. They go to our fiscal sponsor, the Peace Development Fund, and, um, you know, it'll say that it's for Ask Academy, tax deductible, everything is set up. People want to help. We always need uh, donors. We need volunteers. We need to do more networking. And we just want to help as many people as possible. Also, people can go to the Ripple Effects website, rippleeffects.com, R-I-P-P-L-E-E-F-F-E-C-T-S.com, and find more out about the software that we have for social-emotional learning, staff development software and youth development software, and parents can use it as well. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Brian, I'm sure Brian had had something else for you. Yes, I was going to say, did you enjoy yourself? Because I can tell you, I had a ball. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited. I'm definitely interested in working more with Abundance Solutions. We've we had a good time out in Washington, D.C., really organizing with folks and not just preaching or teaching them, but really organizing, and, you know, problem-solving, figuring out how we're going to nationally attack the problem of disproportionate incarceration rate, gang violence in our neighborhoods. So, you know, we have a lot of work ahead of us. Like Greg said, I stay busy. I'm, I'm productive, though, and uh, we're, we're going to stay committed. Yes. That, that's definitely really, good yeah, that's really important, and I think you uh, <laughs> snagged the attention of a, a lot of our listeners. Uh, the, the lines were lit up, but we we really wanted this show to be about what you're doing, so yeah. others can be involved and contact you, put you to work, and uh, they'll see the results. The results are there. Uh, you, yes, you can't have results without love, and that's what you're showing. You're giving yourself. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. Great. I appreciate it. I appreciate you love it. And I want to encourage everyone to stay committed to whatever their idea and their ideal is on how to make the world better, starting from themselves and their communities. It's really it's possible. You know, one of my elders told me a little bit is a lot, but a little bit is only a lot if everybody does a little bit. So I'm just excited. I'm glad that you got me on tonight, and I'm happy to be Connecting with people on, you know, out in the East Coast, you know, I, I feel good tonight. I'm, I'm going to be, get, I'm getting nurtured and getting nourishment off of this right now. Yeah, so are we. <laughs> so are we. Well, brother, we thank you so much for joining us. We got about uh, just over a minute left. Uh, I want to, you know, I want to thank you and on behalf of the Abundant Solutions Hour. We want to also thank Ask Academy and. Uh, Folks, definitely, definitely, definitely support this brother. He's doing some great things, and he's destined to do even greater things. You know, um, I know Greg is. Uh, I'm I'm almost speechless, Greg, and you know that's a rarity for me because you know I, I really like what this brother is doing. I mean, I think it's amazing, and I think the fact that he went through, you know, what he was going through, you know, with that incident, and it built character in it, you know. Yes, Brian. We have uh, on the line. We 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 can't go to it right now. We have about fifty seconds left in the show. 
Uh, we have a really good friend of ours on that's listening to the show. She's a uh, uh, CEO of her own magazine. Uh, so we definitely uh, going to try to hook her up with Shaquille, and hopefully she can get you in her magazine, Shaquille. All right. Yeah, well, I need to give you another number then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have my number, Greg. You can give it yes, to the right yes. people. I'll, I'll hook you guys up. I'll hook you guys up. All right. All right. Great. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we ask that you join us again next week as we'll have another another wonderful and exciting show. Good evening to you all. God bless you, and until next time, good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.